the blessing that you give us in, in the resurrection, um, in that empty tomb, and the hope that we have for tomorrow. Um, Lord God, I, I pray that we w- would as a people over and over again today say he lives, and, and because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I, I pray, Lord, that you would give us hope in that future, hope in that that uh, truth of the, the resurrection that we'll experience, the eternity that we'll spend with you. Um, give us your grace. Uh, give us your peace this morning and touch our hearts. Make us open to hearing from you. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, uh, uh, Disney put out a, a short little cartoon about a baseball player uh, named Casey. Do you all know this one? The mighty Casey, what did he do? He struck out. Um, and, and in this uh, cartoon, the town is Mudville. And, and the, the Mudville baseball team, I don't remember what their name was. If anybody knows, call it out because you'll really impress me. Um, but uh, Mudville's baseball team was down. And in the bottom of the ninth, they have the bases loaded. And the mighty Casey steps to the bat. And I think it's based on a poem. But because I'm from the generation I'm from, I only know the cartoon. Um, and in the cartoon, the, the, the pitcher throws two by, two straight, like, strikes past Casey, and he lets him go because Casey's a show-off, and he, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, push it all the way to the most dramatic moment, and then he swings for the fences and misses and strikes out. Um, this is, uh, Easter morning, um, and this week I, I've been reading, uh, studying the scriptures, and I've been praying, uh, and I've been been reflecting on on psalms related to this text, and and in the reading I did, I came across an article that came out in a major news magazine, uh, newspaper, actually newspaper, uh, this week, where where the the columnist interviewed the president of a seminary, and uh, I'm not going to say any names because I, I I consider it to be. It's pretty bad stuff, and I don't want anybody to hunt it down later. Um, but this, uh, this seminary professor or president, they asked, well, what's, what's with this empty tomb thing? Can you explain this to us? And this, this, uh, this uh, professor responded, oh, well, um, the empty tomb shows us that, that, you know, real love can't be contained. And, well, okay, well, what about the cross then? Well, the cross is just a, a first century lynching, and we can understand it from that perspective. Wing and a miss. Um, I'm starting with this today because I want to make it clear. What I'm going to talk about is the most important, the most important element of the faith. Okay? Like, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus was, was real, if you believe that God is real, this is the linchpin of the whole thing. Okay? So if you sleep through everything else I say on every other Sunday of the year, um, if you if you don't understand another word that comes out of my mouth, if you tune me out every other moment, this is the part to listen to, okay? This is my mighty Casey moment, and I'm not going to speak for myself. I'm going to let Paul do the talking, because I know that Paul hit a home run more times than I will, especially since I'm a terrible athlete. Paul is writing to the Corinthians in this in this particular letter, and he's answering a number of questions, and there's a group of folks that are that are back and forth in this particular church about whether or not Christ was raised from the dead, whether or not the dead would rise at the end of time, right? And Paul comes out and he says, Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, 
which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of, as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, when then to the twelve, Cephas would be Peter, uh, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as of one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostle, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me, whether... Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. We're going to skip ahead because he starts talking about the resurrection. And this is important. Listen to this. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Why am I starting with this? Because this seminary professor, her whole thing was, we don't really know what happened. Some people believe in the physical resurrection, but most people know that's just not true. And what we have is the spirit of it all. And in reality, what the church, like what the scriptures teach, what the church has believed for millennia, and what I am telling you today is that the gospel, the church, the faith, what we are about is God sent his son because we are sinners. Because we all fall short all the time. Because we cannot be perfect. And if you hear me talk regularly, you know, like, I am far from perfect. And I am blessed because God sent his son to die in my place, to take punishment I deserve, to be sacrificed and, and take God's wrath in my place. Um, and that when God looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw my sin. And when he looks at me standing before him, he sees Christ's righteousness. Because I deserve it? Nope. Because I work real hard? Nope. But because I'm a follower of Christ. It is a free gift given to any one of us. Believe, follow Jesus, you are saved. Um, and then on the third day, Christ rose from the dead. Um, Christ rose from the dead as the first fruit, as the very first of every person who will ever rise from the dead. Because everybody who ever existed, we were, were designed body and mind, right? Like there's this idea that when you die, your spirit goes away, and it's like this, you know, angel on a cloud with a harp. Nope. Physical. We are physical. We are spirit. We are one. That is who we are. And we will all one day be resurrected physically. And Christ is the first fruit, the sign that this is the truth. Um, one day we will all be resurrected. The reason we celebrate Easter is because Easter tells us that this is true. Right? Um, and we're going to dive right into Luke. I'm going to go through this because I said, well, what do I want to teach everyone today? What do I want to talk about? First off, I want to make it clear. We're about the resurrection, the, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. We are forgiven because of his death for us. 
We are like given hope because he was raised. This is who we are. This is a thing that physically actually happened. He was not a ghost. And actually, Luke touches on that. Um, so Luke starts. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in white clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the, women, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to be seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and went away wondering to himself what had happened. So we start out with some specifically named witnesses. And there's a really significant thing to this. Like, because there are folks who will say, well, Jesus didn't rise. Um, if you were going to make up a story, right? Like anybody ever tell lies to their parents when they were a kid? I couldn't make it on time because do you usually tell the most believable version or the least believable version? Because like, to a first century audience, this would be the least believable version. Um, the first witnesses of the resurrection of Christ were women. Now, in the first century, women were not, like Jewish women, were not allowed to testify in court because it was assumed that women couldn't tell the truth. And I'm not, that's not me. That's them. Don't, you know, don't chase me out to the parking lot. Like, um, the assumption was that women, like, were not truthful and could not testify. They didn't have enough legal standing. So the first witnesses of the resurrection are women. And then actually after this, the majority of the world, right? Like, if you went into ancient um, Hellenistic uh, uh, world, like, this is pretty much everywhere the Greeks had conquered, which was everywhere, and everywhere the Romans went because they spread out all that Greek culture, they believed that the physical was worthless and that everything that was of value was the spiritual. And the Jews went against that, and they said, well, no, everyone will be raised again. The physical is like it. This is important. Um, the resurrection was considered nonsense by most of the world because physical resurrection was something they rejected. Um, in their day, this is the worst set of stories you could tell to try and sell it. Um, those 11 encountered Christ later that day. And then they encountered him again and again and again. They saw the risen Lord. And you know what? Those 11 guys, all except for John, the other 10 went to their graves swearing they saw what they saw. Some of them were set on fire swearing they saw what they saw. Some of them were whipped to death. Some of them were beaten with stones. Some of them had their heads cut off or were crucified. Or These guys swore, I saw Jesus alive. Because what we celebrate on Easter, folks, is that death is not the end. We celebrate God and his gift to us that says that death is not the end. That this life is not all there is. Um, when we mourn as believers we don't mourn like like the world there is no hope with them right death is the end like we believers we know 
Christ rose and we will rise. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate that this isn't the end. What else do we do with this? Let me start diving into some of the epistles here and we'll see what, what Paul had to say. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority in him. You were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. That's a Jewish thing. We're not going to get into it real deep today. Um, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Um, this is a really dense thing. He's writing to a largely Jewish or like sort of Jewish audience. And um, for the Jews, they would be circumcised as a symbol that they were cut off from the rest of the world. I'm sure there's a pun there, but I'm not going to make it. Um, they were circumcised, and it was this sign that, look, you're set apart, you're cut off, you're part of God's deal. And when Paul would talk about baptism, he would often compare it to circumcision. He would say, look, your old self is cut off, and it is dead, and it is gone. And what remains is the new self. And actually, Paul says, you have been buried with him in baptism. And so when we baptize folks, in this church we baptize by immersing. We, we hold people underwater, you know, or not... <laughs> Moving right along, <laughs> we, we dunk folks. And the reason we do that is because baptism represents this spiritual occurrence, right? You are baptized, you're put under the water like we put a body in the ground to bury it, and you come out as a symbol of this new life. And so, like, we die with Christ when we believe in him. Like, our old self dies, and we die to this sinful self, and we're raised again as a new creation. And so those of us who are in Christ, like Paul says, those of you who are in Christ, the old has gone and the newest come, right? You're a new creation. We are a new creation. Like you were, if you were a follower of Christ, that thing that you stay up at night thinking about that you're ashamed of and you really wish you could undo, you know the one I'm talking about? It's forgiven. It is gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed my, your sin from you. This is from the prophets. Like, like God has made us new in Christ, And that is a reality of our life, like spiritual state. And then actually we live in the process of becoming like Christ and putting on Christ and changing. Um, believers in Christ become different. Um, sometimes they do it very quickly. Sometimes they do it very slowly. But over the course of our lives, we become like Jesus. And so like the big implication, the big so what about Easter, right? Um, is that we're all brand new. Um, I, I like that, the so what. Did, did anybody take history class in school? You know, and you would hear, sometimes they would tell you this great historical event, and a lot of times I was the guy, I was bound to get a, a degree in philosophy because I would back up and be like, wow, that's great, that happened, so what? What do I do with that? You know, like I, I get that, you know, look, the, this, you know, boxer rebellion happened. What do I do with that? Like how does that impact me i'm telling you like we're talking about this resurrection we're talking about the death on the cross how it impacts you is first 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 you are a new creation you are made brand new you are um new out of the package right we go on so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation or the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. I said this a minute ago, right? He made him who had no sin into sin. So, like, what does this mean for us? Like, first off, we're a new creation, and we're a new creation, so we are reconciled to God. Meaning, what existed between us and God beforehand was enmity. Right? Like was we were God's enemies because we were sinful. We were under judgment. We were under the curse. We were under the law. Like, like we have to live our lives knowing there's going to be a day that we're going to come due. Anybody ever have a huge credit card debt they couldn't pay? And you try not to look at it? You know, and you think, oh, no, it's there. And I know it's coming. But I'm not, I have student loans for me. But, you know, or... or Whatever, but you're like, I know I gotta pay that eventually, but I'm gonna try not to look at it, but it's always there, and it's always hanging over your head, and it's always reminding you, like, this is us, right? Except now this is not us. We are reconciled to God. Our debt is paid in full. We get a clear, like, 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 debt-free kind of thing back. And because of that, we are His ambassadors. Um, this is not a small thing. My, uh, father-in-law, when I first met my wife, uh, my father-in-law, he, he did that Herbalife thing. It's like a, like a network marketing deal. But he weighed like 350 pounds. Is that, that's about right. And he, when I met him, he weighed under 200 because he took this like Herbalife stuff and he lost like a ton of weight. And so these people he'd known his whole life, they saw him and Vince was Vince. And he would wear these buttons, lose weight now, ask me how. And you know what? <laughs> that worked. <laughs> that guy sold a ton of that stuff. You know why? Because they saw Vince, and Vince was a real big guy. And then all of a sudden, Vince was skinny. And the question was, how did you do it? I want to do that. And what Paul is saying here, listen, we are reconciled, and we are his ambassadors, meaning we are adopted. We are a new creation. And now we go out, and people see us, and they're like, what happened to you? How do I get that? Right? When I first started going to church, I was in junior high. It was like 10 whole years ago. Um, I, I, <laughs> I got invited to a church picnic. And the people I met there, they were unlike anyone I had ever met. And I said, I don't know what these people got, but I want it. And I was sold. I didn't know who Jesus was at that point, but I knew who these people were. And I wanted to be like them. And I wanted to be around them. This is what we're talking about. We are representatives of Christ. When people encounter us, you know folks like that? When you encounter them, you just think, man, I want to be around that guy some more. I want to hear what that guy has to say. I want to be more like him. We are his ambassadors because, because Christ died for us, because Christ was buried, because Christ rose again, and we are promised that eternity. We have this ultimate objective in life, this thing to live at, Right? And I meet folks who drift from one thing to another throughout their lives. I'm going to live my life for this new hobby. I'm going to live my life for this political cause. I'm going to live my life for this other thing. I'm going to be the fittest, healthiest person I can. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they're constantly chasing after things that make life worth living. 
Easter is it for us, folks. I am redeemed. I'm bought. I am washed. I am made new. And now I am his representative. And my job is to stand up and tell y'all, Christ died for you. You don't have to show up, walk in the doors, and be ashamed that somebody might figure out who you are. You don't have to sit here and pretend to be perfect. You don't have to do any of that. There was a long time as a believer I had to pretend to be perfect because I thought if people know I'm not perfect, then they'll know that I'm not a person to listen to. In reality, Christ in me is the only thing worth listening to, right? Christ in you is what makes you valuable. And like... like God loved you so much that he sent Christ to die for you. He loved you so much. You have so much value. He would go to any length to redeem you. And that's what we're celebrating this weekend. That is why Easter is such a big deal. That's why we say he is risen. I was wondering if people were still awake. You do that once a year, and I'm going to wear that button out. (laughs) I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now watch this. Do you guys ever take on something and you think there's no way I'm going to stick to this, but you try anyway? I mean, I, I look at things that I, I quit smoking years ago and I drinking at the same time. And, and there was a part of me that said, I will never manage to do this. And what kept me up right and walked me through that was Christ in me, making me new. Um, when I try to be a better dad, there's a part of me that is lazy as all get out. I mean, it's just true. There's a part of me that would, you know, really like for the kids to spend a lot of time in their rooms. I mean, I love them. But I love them more when they're in the room. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. Like, there's a part of me that's selfish and horrible. And there's a part of me that's filled with Christ. And Christ is the part of me that steps out and does the right thing. Christ is the part of me that, that sees something on the Internet and looks away because, like, that's not what I'm made for. Right? There's a part of me that, that is Christ that when I am angry and bitter and resentful and I like can't stop thinking about how mad I am at someone, like the Christ that lives in me backs up and says, hey, maybe it's time to pray for this guy. Maybe it's time to serve them. Maybe it's time to find ways to treat them better than they're treating you. Maybe we need to be Christ to this person so they like hear the gospel through our actions. That is Christ in me. And that's not me, mind you, because if it's up to me, you know, it's go time. I'll happily fight with people like that is I'm all about that. I'm all about being bitter and small. I'm good at it. But fortunately, Christ died for me and I can never, ever live up to that righteousness. I can never, ever follow the law right. But because Christ died for me, I'm brand new and I'm able to do better than I would otherwise be able to. Um, Maybe a good comparison. We were. Branding calves with the bits is yesterday. And there's this thing you do to bulls <laughs> that makes them not bulls anymore. And as you're doing this, there's a guy who would come around and he would jab a little needle into the bull's ear and he would inject it with a little tablet, right? And that tablet is growth hormone because without certain elements of the bull's anatomy, he will not grow big, right? He will not get larger. But that injection 
makes the bowl grow, right? Like it enables the bowl to be more than it would otherwise be. Um, Christ in me enables me to be more than I would otherwise be. Christ in me makes me better. Christ in me grows me. Christ in me makes me righteous when I would otherwise not be righteous. And so do we have. We have in Christ, we are reconciled to God. We are made new. We are new creations. Not only are we new creations, we are now God's representatives. Forgiven, reconciled representatives of God himself. And then finally, because of Christ, um, we're able to do better than we would otherwise be able to do. Because otherwise we're all lost, folks. All of us. And so what do we do? All of these things are true. If Christ is raised and all of this stuff is true, what does that mean for tomorrow? Colossians, this is Paul again. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Um, What Paul is saying here is, listen, the life we live from here on out is not set on the world around us. Right? I, I am one day going to die, and my retirement account is not going to go with me. Right? I... I am one day going to die, and the house I build, hopefully, will not be where I spend eternity. The wealth I amass, the, the things I accomplish, the fun that I have, this is not all there is. And so I live my life aiming at something else. I set aside joy and fun sometimes because I need to be like Christ. I set aside like, like the sinful desires because I want to pursue him. And actually, I get to know him more. Like I spend time in the word. I spend time talking to him. I spend time ingesting like, like the scriptures. I spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage me to grow and hold me accountable. Like I keep my heart and my mind set on that. Um, there's a great commercial. It's not a real commercial. It's an SNL commercial that came out in the 70s with uh, who is that heavy set guy who was in, not Chris Farley, it's before then, <laughs> Belushi, yeah, where John Belushi is, is an Olympic athlete, and he, he talks about training for the Olympics, and he eats chocolate frosted donuts, and they've got him like in a Wheaties box, but it's little chocolate frosted donuts, and he's there like pouring himself a bowl of these chocolates and smoking a cigarette, and it's, it's obviously funny because you couldn't train for the Olympics eating like that. You couldn't train for the Olympics smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. You couldn't train for the Olympics and look like John Belushi. I mean, you just can't. Like, instead, if you want to be in the Olympics, you, like, you eat, breathe, and live the Olympics. You go to the gym every day. You eat right. You, you, you know, everything is about training for the Olympics. Like, your whole life becomes about that. This is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about. Because Christ is raised, we have a different direction. We have a different life. Does that mean I don't enjoy my marriage? No. It means I enjoy my marriage in light of what Christ did. In light of the fact that my wife will one day be resurrected and stand before God. I raise my children like in church all the time. No. I teach them to be representatives of Christ too. And I love them and I enjoy them as gifts of God. Gifts from God, right? Because that's what they are. In light of eternity, that's a truth. Everything I do, every time I get up in the morning, my prayers, my my routine, my everything is about my destination. 
It's like going to the Olympics, right? Are there days I'm going to eat chocolate frosted donuts? Yeah. But I'm training for something better now, folks. If Easter is true, if Christ is raised, then our faith is true, our faith is real, and we have hope. Death is not the end. This life is not all there is. And it's something to praise God for. It's something to have shout over and over again. He is risen. So as you walk out the door today, like live like it's true. Live like there's something to be happy about. The, there's a song line that keeps going through my head, uh, the Billy Joel line, right? I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. we got no reason to cry, folks. We should be filled with joy because we know. We know where we're going. We know we have hope. We know that we are loved to the point of unreasonable because Christ died for us, because God sent his only son to die for us. Like when we were worthless, when we were at our lowest, when we were our most wicked and sinful, God still loved you enough to send his son, and Christ still forgives you. And so we celebrate, right? So folks, go out and enjoy Easter. Enjoy bacon. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the truth that we are now his. Set your minds on things above and celebrate that. Amen. He is risen.